Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or indeed Friday evenings with RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes. You're welcome to show number 899, which means we will be kicking off next year with a new century of shows with show number 900. And we have something very special lined up for that. In the meantime, as 2021 draws to a close, I'm joined by our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson, to kind of look back on the year and kind of ahead head to next and we've kind of and we've thrown a kind of a top five of what we liked from this year and a top five of what we're expecting and looking forward to uh, for next year do you think 2021 was a good year for tech i think it was an extremely busy year for tech i mean lo- looking back at usually when we do these shows and i pick five stories and you pick five stories mm. there's always a bit of overlap um, this year, not so much at all. No. I don't. I don't think we have any overlap whatsoever. Well, I just took a kind of a different t- a take on it. Instead of kind of doing the stories, I just kind of went with tech changes that I've noticed, mm. rather yeah. than you know banging it down to, to to particular stories. So different point of view. So listen, yeah. what 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 do you think was what the biggest story of the year? biggest story of the year um i'm not going to say by quite a stretch because locally mm. we've, we've had some pretty good stories as well mm. but uh I, strangely enough last week we were talking about person of the year for time magazine mm. uh i wouldn't have put elon musk i would have put the next individual i'm going to mention <gasps> francis haugen oh no i wouldn't agree with the choice but you're right she she is a, a big 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 story in tech this year yeah, former product manager with Facebook, responsible for the Facebook files, a tranche of thousands of uh, internal Facebook documents that were leased, uh, leaked to the SEC and the Wall Street Journal, mm. um, which threw open uh, or gave us a, a, a window into the fascinating internal workings of Facebook mm. and answers the question when it comes to its audience and information and manipulation of its audience, how much do, does Facebook know and when do they know it? And the answer is they know pretty much all of it and they've always known it. And my question is how much of her revelations were a surprise? Good question. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I We've always known you... Facebook is not to be trusted, and she yeah. just proved it. <laughs> and and she proved it, and she she brought it under very specific headings, and it went yeah. from things that you know promotion of ethnic violence, which yeah. makes sense if you look at what's happening in India and in China. Mm. Um, uh, hate speech, of course, we're very familiar with uh, what's been going on in the US. Mental health which I thought was a fascinating development related to WhatsApp um, some of, and Instagram. Some of their own internal research found that, yeah, do you know what? Young people are really badly affected by seeing pictures of, you know, picture-perfect influencers mm. and this sort of thing, mm. that it makes people feel quite miserable and, mm. and vulnerable about their own bodies uh, just because people might necessarily have the, the mental apparatus in place to, to go, do you know what? That's probably been photoshopped. That's been treated somehow. Those people, they probably look 66% that way. Yeah. Do you know what? They only look that way when there's a camera on them in the first place. Also then looking at things like human trafficking and preferential treatment given to certain users on the platform. But most importantly, and this is what's going to bite them in the end, misleading investors. You never mess with the money. No, you certainly do not. Ask Al Capone. uh, That's how they got Al Capone. They got him on the tax. They got him on his taxes. So, you know, all this, the the moral argument is Mm. well and good. And it gets, you know, us regular people annoyed Mm. for a week. And then we go back to the platform. Uh, Whereas it's if you start annoying investors, Mm. uh, like Francis Houghton gave an interview to 60 Minutes and uh, Facebook's market capitalization dropped by $6 billion dollars. That was a very expensive very interview. Big, very big. I actually think kind of in relation to that, one of the big uh, stories, if you like, of the year was just the fact that Facebook uh, changed to, uh, not that they changed it, but they brought in the whole metaverse thing. 
And they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to distance Mark Zuckerberg and the overall company away from Facebook, as it were. So it's kind of like, well, here's Metaverse. That's that's the parent company. And this is where we want to go. Um, and Facebook is just one of the little things that we do. Yeah, I, I think I think Meta as a brand has been very clever because, yeah. you know, people like Instagram. They like WhatsApp. They they don't want these things to come under an official Facebook umbrella. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Also, you know, we've got Facebook Messenger already. Mm. Why would you want, you know, what, does that mean you're going to take it into WhatsApp by Facebook? Yeah. You know, it makes no sense uh, when you can just keep it as Instagram. One of my, or when you can just keep it as WhatsApp. One of my uh, top tech stories of the year is kind of Facebook related. It's to do with, uh, have you seen this uh, Remarkable 2 tablet? No. or heard of it okay it's kind of like a, it's like an e-reader like the Kindle reader or whatever or Kobo or one of those except you can actually write on it okay mm-hmm. so the whole idea is that it's to replace a, a notepad or, or whatever and you're mm-hmm. able to write on it and then uh, if your writing is good enough and the software is good enough it's able to change your handwriting into text uh, you're able to upload it to Dropbox or Google you could email it all that kind of stuff and it's basically just making digital notes so you're not using paper anymore you can draw on it and you can do it at uh, whatever alright lovely piece of kit alright and I'd love it Problem is, is that they sell it. I think it starts at 400 quid or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in order to use it, you also have to buy a pen. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I can see where this is going. (laughs) Yeah. And the pen is like 120 quid or something like that. All right. And then on top of that, then they've brought in a subscription where you have to pay in around a tenner a month or something like that in order to be able to upload your documents to Dropbox or Google or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. All right, so kind of, yeah, you know, not great, all right? But here's what makes me laugh. It comes up on my Facebook all the time because obviously I'm interested in it. So I just see the ads all the time for this Remarkable 2 tablet, all right? I urge you to just search in Facebook for Remarkable 2, all right? And see some of their ads because underneath the ad, you'll see 492 comments, all right? Mm-hmm. And all of the comments are... Too dear, way too expensive. Why the subscription? This is a ripoff. It's expensive, and then I have to, and then I have to buy the pen as well. You know, oh no, I'm getting an iPad. Somebody else says I got the Kobo, blah blah blah. Somebody else recommended another thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like and the thing that makes me laugh about this whole thing on Facebook, right? Is that it's been like that for months. They mm-hmm. keep advertising, and they keep getting hundreds of comments dissing their product. Why? <laughs> it's all about engagement, Dusty. No such thing as bad publicity. Well, they, no, they, I agree there's no such thing as bad publicity, but in order to balance the bad publicity, you have to have good publicity. You know, it's like what we, we mm-hmm. always said, like you know, uh, a friend of mine was, was doing an article yesterday. Uh, he teaches people how to be radio presenters. Hmm. And he had an article about, you know, kind of, you know, some people out there will hate you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of, my point when I read his article was, you really want people to hate you. All right. Because what you want is you want to have, the perfect thing will be, uh, Jerry Ryan is, is, is the one that always comes to mind when, from my time in 2FM, right? Uh, about 20% of Jerry's audience hated him. Like really thought he was <laughs> the biggest knob that was ever put on the planet, right? But that meant that 80% of his audience loved him. All right? Mm. They thought he was yeah. great and da-da-da and all that kind of stuff. He encouraged passions and people had strong feelings about him, all right? Which is fantastic. I would much rather be that kind of a person than to be somebody who's just bland and in the background and is just wallpaper. Mm. Yeah. You know? Uh, and then the funny thing about it was the 20% of people who hated Jerry Ryan were the ones who listened more often than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> they hate watching it, well it's just kind of it gave them something to do it's like I'm going to listen to that fecker today that'll give me something to complain about <laughs> yeah yeah kind of like kind of like The Walking Dead I, yeah. I despise that show uh, <laughs> I loved it for so long and then I, I hated it and now I don't yeah. watch it anymore yeah. because my mental health is yeah. more And it's the same valuable. with reviews. I don't know if, what you're like with reviews online, but normally when I'm looking at reviews, I'm looking at lots of people saying very complimentary things because that's mainly what they do. Mm. Uh, and then you've got a number of people in there who go, oh no, it's rubbish because. And it's mm. kind of like you're looking for the balance. I'm always yeah. suspicious if it's all people who hate or it's all people who love. 
was like, no, nah, you need yeah. a little bit of balance in there. And it's all supposed down to the... But and anyway, remarkable who's, too. Who's and, doing the loving and who's doing the hating. Very important. Ah, okay. Now, there's uh, one other big, big story of the year. Um, I won't say COVID-related, but certainly health-related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, hack of the HSE uh, oh. IT system. Uh, I, I guess proof that, you know, somebody somewhere is always watching. Uh, we can't think that we're little old Ireland anymore. I think that was, this was a pretty good awakening. Um, as we now know, uh, a, a, a ransomware email was sent to uh, somebody in the uh, HSE around the 16th of March. Hmm. They opened it on the 18th, which gave access to the hackers who went in and checked out what was going on in the system until May. And then they triggered their uh, Conti ransomware. And what that does is it steals the files on your computer, then encrypts your computer, your servers, mm. your workstations, basically locks you out. Mm. Um, so they've got your data already. Traditional ransomware would be like it locks you and you're like, OK, pay me X amount of Bitcoin and, and we'll call it quits, you know, whereas Conti actually they, they made sure they, they stole your data uh, as well and issued a bound. Uh, they issued a ransom of 20, 20 million euro, 20 million dollars. Yeah. Pay us this and uh, it'll be all good. Um, government came out and said, no, not paying it. Uh, if memory serves, there was a small leak. Of, uh, of data onto the dark web just to prove that, hey, we actually have this stuff. Um, so as we said before, pay us. Uh, once again, government said, no, we're not paying you. And uh, by some, you know, inverted commas, miracle, uh, the decryption key was sent to the HSE and the system was unlocked. But of course, um, the HSE had to come out and go, ah, look, okay, here's here's what happened. Our systems are basically a hodgepodge of things that came from other health boards, other everything, and it's just, it's a bit of a mess. There is no strategy put together when it yeah. comes to what our IT systems actually look like. Um, so therefore, it made it quite easy to get into some parts. Uh, other parts weren't affected at all. Um, and that's kind of what happened. And the recovery effort is going to cost 100 million euro all in. And they've created some roles going forward in the future. There's like a... a uh, chief Information Security Officer, uh, Chief Digital Transformation Officer, uh, all these sort of things to make sure that we have a new infrastructure rolled out that is uniform and secure and uh, and routinely checked upon because that was one of the problems uh, with how the email was sent in that there was a, a system in place that actually recognized it, but there wasn't a system to actually get rid of it. So, so this thing was sitting in, in quarantine when it should have been deleted uh, for a while. So it's 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 a system of, uh, you know, the infrastructure mm. wasn't there to deal with it properly. And of course, the it's arguable the weakest component was the one between the chair and the table. Do you think that uh, the they recovered quick enough? And do you think the system will be stronger as a result? System will be stronger in the long run mm-hmm. uh, whenever that happens. Um, but I think it was a real wake-up call to how poor uh, Mm. the system was and the shocking level of underinvestment in skills and hardware. Listen, you know what? You say that, all right, and it's very easy for anybody to say that, and particularly at a public service. But I bet if you were to go through the majority of enterprises, public or uh, private or commercial or otherwise, I think you would find a very, very, very large proportion of them would be equally as badly prepared. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair point, which mm. which speaks to sort of, you know, uh, somebody is watching somewhere. Yeah, always. Somebody is watching. Now, and you just have to accept that. My biggest story of the year, all right? This this is the one that overshadows everything else. Ooh. I'm listening. Bitcoin. Okay, for a couple of reasons couple of reasons for a ton of reasons it, it really came into well i don't know if you want to say it, it came into its own but it's just been wow what are because it was this time last year really that it was starting to climb and it was kind of going past like 10 grand i think or something like i remember doing stories like you know bitcoin's worth nearly ten thousand euro <laughs> mm, <laughs> they're all <yeah>. mad 
<laughs> and then you look at it this year and uh, I, I was looking back on it. It started off the year. It was climbing up in January going past 25,000. And that was just like incredible. Yeah. And now we're up around what, 60? Uh, no, uh, it went up to it's 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 been what a uh, playing roller coaster. I think was one of the expression uh, you used mm-hmm. during the year. Um, it went twenty four. It went up to fifty two k. I think around Easter or something like that, and then just <laughs> collapsed. Uh, and then it was building up then uh, up to November, where it went up to uh, fifty nine thousand euro. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, yeah. per coin, and now it's collapsed again uh, in the run up to Christmas. Well, certainly at the time of recording, it's I think it's around. 40, early 40s or something like that, like, you know. Um, but I just think it's been a phenomenal year f- because it's brought in the whole thing of cryptocurrency and digital money that is not controlled by a government, as most mm-hmm. other currencies are. Um, I think it's interesting that Ecuador have brought it in as an official currency or, to, or to, uh, in, in yeah. their country. Um, I think it's interesting that we have a lot of um, investment schemes and pension schemes and stuff like that and putting some money into Bitcoin because I think there could be a future in it. Uh, I think it's interesting that Visa are pushing it because they're now uh, going to offer uh, people to make transactions or something like that. They're doing a, a, some kind of an educational course anyway with uh, banks around the world. Visa are because mm-hmm. they're going to get involved in, in it as well. So it's interesting kind of like the the big players, if you like, in the, in the conservative financial world, if you like, who are getting involved. Um... And then the other thing that I think is really interesting about Bitcoin is that it started everybody talking about blockchain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just blockchain as a concept, all right, for uh, keeping data and for exchanging data. So I think, you know, there's definitely something in this and I think it's going to keep on rolling. Yeah. Well, the, well a couple of interesting things happened in crypto this year. Mm. China banned crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, there are still server farms all over the world mining crypto, which take up as much energy as Argentina, yep. <laughs> just running all the time trying to mine Bitcoin, uh, of which there's a ceiling of 21 million. Yep. Uh, I think 18 million have been mined at the moment, so it gets progressively harder and harder yes. to uh, to actually um, mine any. Um and yeah, I think the Ecuador story is absolutely fascinating. Some people have said it's a publicity stunt. The president of Ecuador has called himself the coolest dictator in the world. <laughs> he didn't say dictator, did he? He certainly did. He certainly did. <laughs> so I think this is him, you know, being down with kids, although he's a very young man yeah. in and of itself. Uh, and mentioning blockchain, uh, we talked to a woman a couple of years ago who had a company called Mycelia or yeah. Mycelium. And what she was doing was was using was helping musicians track their royalties and everything they're done through blockchain wow that's a job yeah because you know yourself how difficult it is to uh, to track royalties what yep. with you being in the music well broadcasting industry for so yep. long uh, it is. It's, it's quite incredible because you, you think that, you know, say Paul McCartney no, owns all of the Beatles songs. Uh, but no, he doesn't because he did a deal with the record company and he sold his rights to the ownership mm. of those songs to his record. And then they sold them on to somebody. Else. Then Michael Jackson bought them at one stage. Then somebody else has got them. Do you know what I mean? And now poor mm. old Paul McCartney's trying to buy his own songs back. Like, you know, it's uh, and then there's all kinds of stuff like using music for, music for, uh, for movies or in podcasts uh, was the thing we were talking about the other day. And, you know, quite often there are people who there are people paid to hunt down the owners of a piece of music mm-hmm. or a specific record anyway that's 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 a whole other different story but anyway bitcoin and blockchain i think is definitely i think 2021 is the year that it arrived if you want to put it that way in a big way and i think well, it's here it, to stay it arrived and people took notice and went jeepers this is this is actually yeah. a, a threat <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of a threat <laughs> Something uh, Apple were not happy with for a long time, but the EU and I dare say uh, the US are coming down hard on them and uh, quite rightly so in favour of consumers. What is it? 
Quite rightly. Uh, the EU is looking to enforce the right of repair, Yay! Uh, which for those who don't know, this actually originated in America when it came to farm machinery, yeah. uh, where you had people working on fairly remote farms with an awful lot of heavy machinery like tractors that are increasingly complicated and come with computerized systems. Uh, the original thinking was, hey, if you've got a John Deere tractor, you need to go to a John Deere dealership so they can sort it out. To which people were saying, my nearest dealer is like a thousand miles away that's not practical uh and i'm not waiting you know weeks for a guy to come out and i should be able to fix this myself i'm handy enough yeah um so uh, uh the state of wisconsin i think it was wisconsin um passed the, the first right to repair law that said you know what if you can fix this yourself you can get the parts yourself you can fix it it shouldn't void your warranty um you know but the, this is out of necessity so, uh, Europe is enforcing a similar thing with consumer electronics, and they have said that you have the right to repair your device, mm. uh, and a third party does as well, which is really important because, as we know, there there are shops that uh, that will fix your phone, put in mm. battery, etc., etc. Uh, very often, they will give you a, a little thing going. By the way, this will void your warranty because Apple isn't doing this. Um, so the directive says that not only should you be able as an individual to fix something, the thing should come with instructions on how to do so. But most importantly, you should be able to do it using commonly held tools. Ooh. Oh, I missed that bit. Yeah. Ah, how, can they, how can they possibly enforce that? Well... That's that's the thing, but like you've you've changed things in Apple devices. I I have as well. I put in a new hard drive, yeah, and uh, it's like you you see a, a, a screw, and it's like nothing on earth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to buy special screwdrivers and all that kind of stuff. I think uh, you know. I think it's better to be have the choice of going somewhere to have it repaired. OK, um, okay. because the people who repair those things, I mean, the, the, when it comes to phones and tech and computers and laptops and repairing screens, yeah, you could do it yourself. All right. But you really want a guy who's doing this all day, every day to do it because <laughs> he'll do yeah. it faster and he'll do it right. OK, yeah. Um, yeah. I saw an interesting thing on the on the telly the other day uh, and I, I don't know whether it was across Europe or just Ireland or, or where it was, but they're bringing in a scale. Do you know the way they have the energy efficiency scale now when you buy a washing machine or a tumble dryer or whatever it is. Sure. All right. Yep. They're also going to have a score out of 10 for repairability. Yep. Very important. I, I fix it, do that as well. Sort of the company in America. I forget what number scale they, they rate it, yep. but at the moment, Apple products are like the worst. Oh, absolutely. A, a, appallingly bad. But I think that's great. So when you go out to, and as you say, the whole thing, we, we've been watching about Apple and repairing those products. It started with farm machinery, you know, mm, we're the, yeah. the right to repair here in Ireland. And we're thinking, yay, great. We can get our smartphones fixed. But it also applies to washing machines. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. And washing machines are kind of like, you know, you're banging your head against the wall because everybody has had a thing where the washing machine is gone <laughs> and, you, and, you know, you've got to get a guy around to repair and you look at him and you go, oh, yeah, the old PCB board is gone on that. It'll be uh, 150 quid <laughs> or whatever, yeah. like, you yeah. know, but it's better. Taps than, it with his foot and goes, uh, oh, that's a bad uh, one. Whichever, yeah, 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 and all that. But I think I think right to repair is a, a, a huge story and a, a, and a great uh, improvement. What else have we got this year? Uh, Apple, just very quickly, on my radar this year, um, one of the things that came up in conversation was what was my best buy of 2021? And without doubt, hands down, the Mac Mini M1. The Mini, not the uh, not the Air. No, no, I didn't bother with the laptops or anything like that. Um, yeah. And I just, because I just wanted to try something. It was, I think, mm. 700 quid or something like that. Uh, mm. And I kind of, okay, I'll try it. And off I went and I tried it. It's, wow, it's just an amazing piece of kit. And especially when you think that it's the Mini. <laughs> Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. This is kind of like their ultra small form factor, da 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 da, whatever. Like you know. Um, so yes, I'd be. I'm far more inclined now to buy a Mac Pro, which I know is right. going to cost me like nearly three grand or whatever. But I know that the power will be there and it will last me for years. But that that was my when it comes to looking back on tech in 2021. That that was definitely my buy. Sad news as well in uh, 2021 with the science gallery. Yeah, I've got, I've got two stories to sort of round out the year, mm. but I'm going to amalgamate them into one because I, I think these are both things that are bad for Ireland, 
Ireland's tech sector in terms of community building, in terms of outreach, in terms of making science palatable to young people, promoting the sciences as a career, promoting technology mm. as a career path. So we, we had two things happen that uh, I found to be very unfortunate. Uh, and I'll go through them in order. One of them is the winding down of the Digital Hub Development Agency. Now, uh, the Digital Hub has been around since 2003, mm. and it's been pretty much the epicenter of Ireland's tech scene until things, you know, really exploded. And now we have what they laughably called Silicon Docs and, and all that sort of thing. So you, you over the course of its, uh, you know, what, 19, nearly 20 year history, the Digital Hub had companies like Havoc, Stripe, Amazon go through its doors. You know, it's had you know a total of 50 companies, employed a couple of hundred people. Um, and they've also got great programs, like they've got an artist in residence, they have a photographer in residence, they have, uh, they run courses to get uh, kids involved mm. in using tech creatively. They've also got digital literacy courses for sort of older people to get them confident in using tech, which is super important seeing as everybody is kind of locked down at the moment. So having having any sort of facility like that, it's also involved in the Smart D8 project, I believe, that we talked about uh, earlier this year. So the DHDA did so much uh, and continues to do so much. It'll, it'll wind up officially in mm. uh, next June. And the reason that it's been given uh, is, okay, one, it's been losing money and it's been losing money for quite a while. Fair enough. Okay. Sometimes these things do need state support though. Second one is all those outreach projects, all those interesting things I was doing, all that's being swept aside and the space is still going to be there, but it's going to be replaced by an organization that's going to manage the land, right? So an awful lot of what's there, all that spare space that's there at the moment is going to be redeveloped for social and affordable housing. Uh-huh. So that sort of community space there is going to go. Uh, and it's unclear what sort of um, infrastructure is going to be left for businesses, whether it's going to be sort of a shiny new co-working space or whether it's going to be the same buildings, they'll just be built around. Uh, how that's going to look like, I don't, I don't know. But I just feel like it's such a loss to the city to have, you know, I, what I imagine will be a couple of high rise buildings replacing something that had real value to the community. Do you not think, though, that times have changed at the turn of the century when Digital Hub started? You know, kind of we were really just starting to hit our stride when it came mm-hmm. to technology and the Internet and all that kind of stuff. We're 20 years down the line now. Maybe it's not needed or maybe this the purpose that the Digital Hub served is now being served in other ways. That's a very interesting point. Uh, and if it was a case of the digital hub being in a reasonably affluent area, then I'd probably agree with you. Um, but digi- the digital hubs or social outreach things, uh, because it's the liberties, it's traditionally um, underserved community on an underserved part of Dublin, mm. uh, that I think it really was a, a contributor to, uh, to life and opportunity in the area. So for that reason, I'm going to no. sort of come down on... I'm going to stubbornly come down on the uh, side of it being a massive cultural loss. A digital hub is not the only closure this year? It's not, no. The Science Gallery is also uh, staring into closure at the moment. Uh, again, you know, mounting financial debts. Um, and, you know, Trinity have had to look at the, the bottom line and go, well, do you know what? It's, it's losing money. And this is something we have to look at. Never mind the fact that Science Gallery is now an international organization with you know affiliated um uh galleries and its own galleries uh, across the world that you know the concept is proven Mm. that you can get kids interested in science technology uh engineering arts and mathematics all under one roof um it's it's a wonderful sort of renaissance if you will approach to to learning and you know i think the city is really going to miss out if it's closed down because you know it's wonderful cafe on top of everything <laughs> it's a great cafe it's a great no, cafe you can't never mind say the, you're gonna miss the, the science gallery because they serve great coffee they serve great coffee but <laughs> seriously terrible. uh so many of the shows that they've done since 2008 i went to the first uh, one no, I, I absolutely agree with you yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the work they've done and the exhibitions that they've put on there and the amount of people who've come in and been inspired and gone on to mm-hmm. careers and and all that kind of stuff is just is just phenomenal 
Yeah, yeah, and again, it would be a tremendous loss to the city if it were um, if it were to have the plug pulled on it. So fingers crossed, something will be able to do, will be yeah. done to rescue it in you know either the form we we know and love it in mm. or in some other format uh in the near future Grand. one last one for you just on 2021 before we move on to next year and tell me if you've noticed a change in this uh over the year and i think it's a lot to do with covid it is a lot to do with COVID. contactless payments and yeah. specifically on mobile phones yeah yeah I know that was like a gimmicky thing until, well, I don't mean let's say a gimmicky thing, but I didn't see it happen an awful lot. People yeah. are still using cash and plastic. Yeah. And then over the last year, I really seen it explode. People are just, they got their phone and they're walking and it's their first port call. It's just, it's just what they do. Yeah. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Uh, the speed at which it has been adopted that's great news for Google Pay and Apple Pay because I'm sure they're, they're getting a few cent out of every single transaction. More money going to Google and more well, money. Sure. <laughs> the banks, are, the banks are, are making out like bandits for the same thing. So. What did I read the other day? Uh, Revolut, which I think mm-hmm. is probably the most popular one in the country at the moment, has something like a million subscribers in Ireland. Wow. A million. Yeah, Revolution N26 are the two big ones yeah, in but Ireland. Like N26 has got something like 200,000. And Revolut mm. has got like a million, a million yeah. here in this tiny little rock, way yeah. rain swept on the edge of the Atlantic that yeah. most of the rest of the world forgets about until March 17th. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone is Irish. <laughs> hey, there you go. All right. Listen, that's uh, OK. That's it. Let's uh, uh, wrap it there for now for 2021. <laughs> This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Okay, so let's move on from tech changes in 2021 to what we suspect, suspect will happen in 2022. The old prediction game. (laughs) Do you know what we need to do is we need to write down all these predictions and come back to them in December. Oh, you you know they'll be wildly inaccurate. Wildly inaccurate. (laughs) Of course. <laughs> let's, let's not pretend that we know anything. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've got a couple of things that I think may may help and may, and may not help. Actually, do you know what? Well, uh, I'll start with uh, what's mm. closest to my heart, and that is uh, podcasting. Okay. I think what's really interesting uh, at the moment is podcasting is kind of this this changes in society. Okay, so we were talking about contactless payments and stuff like that, Mm. right? So over COVID, all of a sudden, like podcasting became something that your parents did. Do you know what I mean? As well as the kids Mm. and whatever, and it it was a lot more common and that kind of stuff. Mm. And we're at a stage now where a third of Irish adults will listen to a podcast once a week. So in 2022, where I suspect is that will grow to maybe 40% of adults will listen to podcasts every week. It's not like a, I mean, it's it's great growth, but it's not going to be, you know, kind of making any headlines. To to which I have to ask you, right? When you're talking about listening to podcasts, are we thinking original podcast content or radio shows that have been repackaged as podcasts? I would say original content, uh, because mm-hmm. if you look at what's available out there, and I did an article about this, slamming the radio industry about delivering a sloppy seconds, quote unquote, <laughs> um, and that those podcasts, which are just kind of like chopped up versions of the radio broadcast, generally don't do well. Right. So uh, Eamon Dunphy uh, with The Stand does phenomenally well. Dave McWilliams with his uh, podcast does phenomenally well. They're not on the radio anymore. They're doing original content. Um, Mm. uh, News Talk have now started doing some original content, crime series and stuff like that, which are only going out as podcasts and they're doing very well. Nicola Tallon over at the Sun newspaper, I think, is doing a crime podcast as well and and has done very well with that. I think it's the original content that is. It's kind of, do you know what I, I, I was thinking of? was Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, here's here's where I see podcasting going this year, okay? You remember once upon a time we had televisions, okay? And we'd watch whatever was on RT or BBC or ITV and if we weren't able to watch it, we'd videotape it. That, that was our world. And then Netflix came along. Hmm. I think we've been living in a world where we've had live radio and you put it on, da-da-da-da, and then podcasts arrived. 
And I think podcasts like Netflix will become a very big part of our lives. It's not going to kill radio as the same way Netflix didn't kill television, but it's going Mm. to be another big, significant player. And I think that's where podcasting is going to fall in for two reasons. Uh, As I say, uh, a third of people are listening at the moment. That will grow to maybe 40 or over 40 percent. But the other thing that's really interesting is that of the people who do listen to podcasts, they are listening to more and more and more shows. And what you're finding is somebody who would have listened to a podcast once a week a year ago is now listening to two or three. Mm, yeah. And it's just that kind of growth in listening. And I think that'll, that'll be, there's a whole load of other things about podcasts, which I won't get into, but just the fact that it's going to become more a fixture in our daily lives. And I think radio is, not will, is already suffering as a result. Of the well, here's a quick question yep. for you yep. on that, because uh, as Irish people, we're, we're very good at listening to the radio. We were. Like, uh, what is it, like 80, 89% of, or something listen to some class of radio daily? Nope. Uh, at the turn of the century, I'm saying that a lot in this podcast, uh, in and around the year 2000, uh, 89, 90% of Irish people listen to radio every day. Hmm. Today, in the JNLR just announced a couple of weeks ago, it's 80%. Right. right. Big drop. Big um, drop. Now, uh, and this is where I get on my DAB horse. Uh, in the UK, in the year 2000, it was 89, 90%. And today in the UK, it's 89 or 90%. Hasn't right. dropped. All right, because they have been changing the radio industry and bringing in more content and more choice and da 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 da. We haven't done that in Ireland. And as a result, mm. we're losing audience. Do you know what's really shocking? In Dublin City, younger demos, I think under 35 or under 25, less than 60% of people listen to the radio. Wow. That's wow. getting down to half. All right. Now, when you start to kind of look and you kind of go, hang on a minute, you mean half of the kids these days don't listen to radio at all? That's a huge change. Mm, yeah. Anyway, I'm so where are they going? Are they relying on, you know, curated Spotify playlists for their uh, music? Oh, well, I mean, with the younger ones, uh, they've grown up with Spotify. They've grown up with YouTube. They, they've grown up with podcasts. That's where they get mm. their stuff. Do you know what I mean? They've got TV, yeah. computers, phones. That's what takes their, their attention, like, you know, mm. um, and, and radio's just not keeping up with the content or the choice, mm. unfortunately. And, and I'm just kind of coming off that because, you know, um, I have had a lifelong love with radio as a medium. Mm. Yeah. You know, and uh, which maybe is why I'm enjoying podcasting so much. <laughs> 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 no, but seriously, like podcasting is great. It's, you know, any topic that you want or that you're interested in, you, there's probably a podcast for it, you know, mm. of varying yeah. levels of quality and, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, for us here in Ireland, and we like a little bit of tech talk and just to hear what's going on in mm-hmm. the industry, it's you and me rabbiting on every week, like, you know, yeah. keep you company while you're walking the dog or, you, you know, doing the hoovering around the house or whatever. So that's yeah. why my prediction for this year is, is uh, podcast will rise, radio will fall. What about you? What do you, what do you where okay. do you sit on? All right. My first... Uh, uh, you know, prediction for 2022 mm. is that digital fatigue is going to get worse as we face into another year of remote working, whether oh. we like it or not. And productivity gains will plateau. We're not going to get yeah. more and more productive. We're just going to get to the level we're at now, yeah. or maybe a little better, and then things will level off. Yeah. And there's a couple of good reasons for that. Um, one, I think we're working later and later because we're just there. I've noticed that I put in at least a good half hour extra in the day just to wrap things up at the end and yeah. have a look at what I'm doing tomorrow, that kind of thing. So I'm working longer, but I've also noticed that I have far fewer useless meetings. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So if you were to take away the time you spend in useless meetings, mm. you're naturally going to have an increase in your own productivity just because you've so many hours in the day and you used to have, let's say, an hour a day in meetings, you've yep. now got that hour back. Yep. You actually do something with it. Yep. But you're still working a half hour later in the day. I, and I, this, uh, is, yeah. this is something that seems to be widespread across the corporate world. That uh, And it's exposing which jobs are actually useful and which are particularly useless. 
because you would have had a, an awful lot of corporate jobs that are based on sort of FaceTime and being seen to be doing work. And once that opportunity is taken away, an awful lot of jobs are kind of all of a sudden you've very little to do. Mm. You've nothing to facilitate. You know, you're, you're just kind of, uh, what are you doing? Like scheduling your next Zoom call? Like it's it's tough. It's tough. And it has exposed a lot of jobs as not requiring an awful lot of effort if you don't actually have so many meetings to actually attend. So that's kind of a problem. Uh, another one, of course, is digital fatigue because we're relying so much on the quality of our internet connections, mm. but also because we're home and maybe we don't have that commute. Uh, we've got a little bit more time to kill, maybe we do, but the avalanche of content that's out there and the things that create buzz, there seems to be something new every week and this sort of need to keep up with everything, uh, let alone keep track of what your kids are watching or, you know, what people are mouthing on about at Twitter mm. or maybe an interest you want to develop yourself. You know, it's very tough. And I think, you know, people are they're getting pretty tired at this point. Do you think 2022 is the year that the uh, the population of Earth all turn into goldfish? Well, the population of Earth is actually leveling off, which is kind of odd. And there are forecasts for an actual decrease in the population of Earth in, oh, I can't remember the year, but there, there, are, there are predictions that the population of the Earth will decrease. So not just digital fatigue, but bedroom fatigue as well. Evidently. Shocking. Um, I think one thing I'm going to be interested to see uh, throughout the year is artificial intelligence. We've been talking a lot about it on the uh, podcast over the last year. I think that's going to grow and grow. Uh, That's the only way that it's going to go. Do you know what I think is going to happen in 2022? I think hackers are going to start using artificial intelligence. Well, I mean, you could argue that bots are sort of a very rudimentary version of, of yeah. AI. Well, yeah, well, I think, that, I, I, anyway. think, I think they will get more and more. <clears throat> and uh, the stuff that is being sent to you with these phone calls and texts and emails and everything we get are going to get more and more personalised and more accurate, mm. which is the dangerous thing. Because at the moment they're calling you from, you know, the, the Bank of Cyprus or whatever, like, you know, of course, <laughs> everybody's going, I don't have an account where they go away. Yeah. But if they actually call you and say, Say, oh, you're a Bank of Ireland customer and uh, your account ends with the numbers one, two, three, four. You kind of go, oh, hang on. Maybe this is the bank. You know, I don't know. They, they, yeah. but, uh, but they could use AI for evil. Oh, anyway. You know, governments are doing it uh, at the moment, especially with facial recognition, where uh, you, you have dubious accuracy uh, with it in a lot of cases, especially with people of colour. Mm. Um there's been big, a lot of pushback, problem. though, on uh, facial recognition this year. And I believe a lot of the states in uh, in the United States have, have outlawed it. And Amazon themselves were developing it and they said, no, we're not going to do it anymore. Or, or certainly no, we're not selling it to the police. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the problem of inherent bias as well. That uh, I, I think you're, you remember the example of, I think it was Amazon had a hiring program uh, where they wanted to hire the best people and they ended up getting biased results out of the AI oh. because the AI was programmed with good people to work at Amazon, but it filtered out anyone that wasn't, you know, male and in their 20s kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 I know. So I, we, we do have a, a long way to go. But my one thing is that I, I think uh, that we'd see hackers using AI. Um Another thing that's going to come uh, this year that you were looking at uh, is something Google tried with the uh, the glass, Google Glass. Somebody yeah, else is yeah. going to give that a lark. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be a really good year for virtual and augmented reality mm. because a certain someone is getting into the market. <laughs> and it's, of course, it's Apple. <laughs> uh, they, they will, at some stage in 2022, be releasing their version of uh, an AR VR headset. Yeah. And because it's Apple, you know it's going to come with an app store. It's going to come with an ecosystem. Uh, it might be very small to start with. Um, and of course, it'll be the Apple way of doing things. So it'll integrate seamlessly with your iCloud. Um, yeah, but do you think, tide anyone else? Are we talking about like a, a, spare, a pair of glasses that you wear with cameras and speakers and all kinds on it? There was actually a patent put in for that a couple of years ago. Um, they, and there there seems to be a little bit of, I don't want to say confusion, speculation mm. as to whether it will be, you know, a particularly cool and funky looking set of eyeglasses or whether it will be a full, full on visor. 
I personally would prefer a visor because the whole thing of somebody is wearing glasses looking at you. Hang on, are you recording me? That's what I'm saying. That's human nature. And like that, mm. that's a hard one to get over. Like, you know, even Apple can't make that cool. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what killed Google Glass. Yeah. Just the sense that anyone you're well, one, they looked a bit hokey, but two, uh anyone that was looking at hang on, you know, are you recording? Who are you to me? That kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. So although I you know, oddly enough, uh Google Glass has found a a, a second uh, second life in manufacturing, same way as, as Microsoft HoloLens has, mm. um, just in, uh, yeah, manufacturing, looking at complex components. Uh, it's actually proven itself a, a pretty good um, remote working option for engineers and, and factory workers, that kind of thing. Another thing looking into the future, I don't think it's going to happen in 2022. There'll be developments, I'm sure. And that's uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his whole Metaverse project. And I think we said it in the podcast at some stage that to me, the metaverse is like the holodeck on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And I think that one day we may very well get there. (laughs) Now, it it won't be one day in 2022, uh, but I think there could well be developments in that because, I mean, they've set up meta. This is his thing. He wants to move forward with it. If Apple are going to do Apple Glass, well, then meta will do something with, with their end of things. So I think we'll see we'll see movement. Well, you know, Meta spent so much money buying Oculus way back when. They can't not do something with it. And the cost of the headsets have come down as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Samsung were doing them, and that's where I got into it. Yeah. Um, uh, With the, God, what was it? The S8? Yeah, Gear VR. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And you know what? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Like, quite a... you know when it's tied in with your phone and stuff like that you know it's 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 quite an experience but it's the application of it do you know what i mean that's that that's where we're going to see it i loved Mm. uh, where we were talking to somebody who flew drones and from what i remember the conversation was they would have a vr helmet on the drone would be flying and it would be inspecting esb pylons Mm. and the guy would be able to see the pylon in his uh, visor as he sat in the back of a van nearby or whatever and inspect mm. the poles and say that kind of application for it is just amazing. Or another application that I heard of was um, was uh, doctors being able to learn because they will be able to watch in VR yeah. as an operation is going on. Or so so yeah. like the applications are there and, and, and there's possibilities and stuff like that. We still have to get there. I think more of it will will, will happen. I have one more thing which is kind of related mm-hmm. um, if, if we're talking because I did mention doctors. Um I think we're going to see a rise in the use of video doctoring. Okay. Instead of going to see your doctor, you'll arrange a video call. Yeah, makes sense. It's happening elsewhere elsewhere in the world. Why not here? Yeah, we we a couple of years ago we did uh, a thing on robots and remote wo- and remote medicine. You might remember. Uh, now this was for uh, it was a project going on in Tala Hospital, but mm. the guy driving it had worked in Canada, yeah. where they have an awful lot more land and fewer hospitals and an awful lot more ground to cover. Uh, and they were finding that remote working, uh, remote uh, diagnosis mm. uh, was working out particularly well for them. So, uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Now, uh, speaking of getting places, uh, electric vehicles on your list for 2022. Yeah, uh, apparently I picked up this stat. It's a, it's something like 7.8% of all vehicles on the road at the moment in Ireland are EVs. Wow, that uh, high. Yeah, yeah, that okay. high, yeah. Uh, and bear in mind, you know, there, there's a government grant in place to, yeah. to help you buy one. If well, you, I am if seeing you, uh, more and more, but uh, approaching 10% mm. is good, yeah. It's pretty damn good. Uh, ESB owns the infrastructure at the moment, but uh, I can see a natural, uh, a natural scaling up of that mm. as we go. I think they've like twelve hundred charge points around the country at the moment, and I think one one of the problems people have about taking the plunge with an EV is going, eh, what's the range on it? You know, am I going to get stuck in the middle of nowhere? And you, you know, it's uh, my car is going to stop working. Mm. Uh, I think more charge points, the more people will will lose that particular uh, fear. Um, and I think charge points are pretty unobtrusive compared to vehicle pumps. Anyway, I mean, there's a couple around the corner for me, and you, you know, really notice they're there. No, they they look fine on their own. 
until mm. the car comes along and starts charging and then it just looks stupid with the big wire <laughs> coming out and plugged into the front of the car or the side of the car or whatever. Uh, I think that's funny. I think the problem with the charge points is how long does it take to charge your car? Uh, mm. Because at the moment, like you rock up to a petrol station, you know, 60 seconds filling up a petrol and off you go. Mm. Will yeah. EVs yeah. ever be able to do it that, you know, or do, do I, I like the hybrids. If I'm, now I don't have an electric car at the moment. If I was going to buy a car, I would probably buy the hybrid because I do have that fear of I could be in the middle of nowhere, mm. nowhere near electricity. What am I going to do? So, yeah. you know, um, I think having that mix. And then there was a law brought in this year as well, where if you are building a new building and it has X amount of people working in offices or X amount of people in, in apartments or whatever, uh, that you must provide uh, EV charging points in the car park. Oh, Nice. So that's good. So I think, yeah, it, it'll definitely become more and more. Pr- it has to, because, mm. you know, they're all, the, the, you know, global warming is a huge thing. They're pushing the electric cars. There's all kinds of grants, as you say. You mm. know, it's not going to work on, until they put more points out there in the world. And um, what else we got? Uh, one more to wrap up. Yeah, one more to wrap up. And, and this is uh, this is something that I'm convinced is going to happen in 2022. Go on. Uh, we're going to go fitness mad. <laughs> we will we will re-embrace the quantified self by looking at incredibly fit and attractive people yelling at us in real time going, you can do it, just pedal slightly harder or lift more weight or do what you got. Of course, I'm talking about Peloton, uh, the incredibly uh, exclusive uh, bike slash fitness brand gaining so much traction around the world at the moment. Um, for those who don't know what it is, it's basically you have uh, a really fancy exercise bike that on its own costs about $1,500 uh, at the moment. And then you have uh, an app, if you're so into that, which is $12.99 a month, where you get to watch video uh, tutorials and, and workouts, uh, which is pretty nice. Uh, and then you can decide to go absolutely mental for an all-in, uh, all-access membership uh, subscription at $39 a month uh, on top of, you know, all your bike and all your sort of stuff and uh, where you get to watch things live uh, and you get to have different trainers tell you you can do it and you're doing fine and all this kind of thing and you can watch all your metrics uh, and you can keep track of your goals and you can do things that you could have done with a bog standard uh, exercise bike that you got for 100 euro off adverts, um, your regular health app that you got for, on your Huawei watch or on your iPhone and, you know, a mate sitting on the couch beside you telling you to keep going. Joe, you know I don't know if you're being sarcastic or if that's what you really want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> a mate to sit on the sofa and tell me I'm doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> how funny, how funny. All right, well, Peloton it is then. Listen, that is it for our show for this year. This year. <gasps> wow. Remember, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie or indeed listen to us each week in 2022 online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. And of course, next week, uh, we will be back for the start of January with show number 900. I tell you. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson, have a wonderful end of the year. Merry Christmas and a great new year. Talk to you soon. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.